0: You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Today, We're going to roll out a mini-series in between uh, what we just finished, the Book of Acts, and then we did Missions Convention, and we've got Christmas coming, which we're really excited about. I believe this Christmas is going to be an opportunity for every single one of us to be inviting our guests, and uh, more than ever, uh, as we move in, and we've landed on an idea uh, that we're going to roll out next week, and and we'll uh, let you know about that, But, uh, but the topic That we're for this little mini series for three weeks here. I am passionate about this topic. If you were to spend any time with me, maybe driving up north in the car, you know, to go camping or something like that, or if you were, you know, if we got together for lunch and and it was just the two of us or, you know, just a few people, uh, this topic, no doubt, would come up in conversation. And those of you that are close and maybe have spent some time with me personally, you know when I say the topic, you're going to be like, yep, we've talked about that. But it's a difficult topic to, to talk about from the pulpit. For many reasons, and there's kind of layers, and uh, it becomes personal, and, uh, and, and, and so I've had a little bit of anxiety in regards to uh, rolling this out, but the topic that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks is the topic of money, and I've wrestled with this idea for months. In fact, back in May, I was on a personal retreat day where it's just me and the Lord. I sensed that I I was kind of planning out the year. I I knew that we would be uh, in between. We'd finish acts and then missions. I'm saying, Lord, what do you have? And this idea of money was dropped into my head. And I'm thinking, really, God? You want me to talk about money after all the money that we raised, and then as we you know, it's so easy to be misunderstood when you talk about money and uh and now, even this fall as we've like come close to the completion, and as I just said there we're still not quite finished raising funds, and I'm thinking you know, should I, maybe I should pause and maybe look at a different direction, but over and over, even though it's hard to talk about, and someone's going to walk out of here saying, all that church talks about is money. <laughs> I guarantee it. So you think it's, it's the worst time to talk about money, but I have a sense that the Lord, He desires us to wrap our minds around money, and I believe it's the best time to be clear. It's the best time to challenge each other with this American mindset that we live in uh, and as we head into the holidays, which are stressful. How many want less stress in the holidays? All right, about half of you. Okay, that's good. For that half, um, for many of us, Money is a stressor in the holidays, and I want you to know that as we roll this out for the next three weeks, and this series is on money, it is not a series about giving. Everyone take a big breath and say, and turn to your neighbor and say, whew, and then say this, look at someone and say, this is not a series about giving. Go ahead, do it. You just do it. All right, all right. It's not a series about giving. All right, instead, it's much more a series about personal finance. It's a series about debt-free living, handling God's, <laughs> handling God's, God's money, uh, and it's really uh, we're going to challenge each other to tackle a four-letter word called debt. And let me just ask, is debt a problem in our culture? In our society, even in West Michigan, is debt an issue? In families, in marriages, as we raise our kids, dealing with debt is a problem. Uh, If you're single or a young adult or a student, debt is a real issue that we all have face. In fact, I was thinking about this. Uh, The statistics are mind-blowing, and next week we're going to look at some statistics uh, uh, for North America. But let's just think about our own situations, each of us, for a moment. If we were to add up, each of us here that are here today, how much consumer debt we are carrying, what's our car loan debt, our credit card debt, add your home mortgage debt, add your student loan debt. And we each stood up and said, this is our number. We're not going to do that. Don't worry. (laughs) That would be embarrassing. Our minds would be spinning. It is numbing to think about the amount of debt that even God's people are carrying. It's a serious issue, no doubt. And what happens is it halts the freedom that God wants. It creates a lack of options. Could I use the word bondage? And for so many of us, it's like, well, that's just what's normal. Well, I like what Dave Ramsey says. He says normal is broke with no reserves, and what's normal, this, the true statistic right now is that 7 out of 10 of us that are here, even in our, in our space here this morning, are living paycheck to paycheck. And you say, why is that? A big reason is because of the debt load that we're carrying. It's a four-letter word. And we want to wrestle with it for the next few weeks. And I want you to change your mindset Uh, and I want to change mine as well, that it is not our friend, it's not just the way of life, that debt instead is the enemy. So when the Lord really put this on my heart, Um, my creativity level is like here, the rest of the staff is up here, but I I had this idea that we would call this series Debt Free, dot, 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 really? And then really, debt free exclamation mark all right yeah that would have been okay right and i'm thinking okay and what what some of you are thinking well that is great i want to be a part of a church like that right and we're we've got this debt-free journey going with the building all of that but there's some of you that when you see that you're thinking really debt-free i could never get there that couldn't be my story and so we wrestled with some ideas for uh, more creative than what I thought. And um, uh, we thought dollars and cents. We thought free to underline. We thought um, the American dread instead of the American dream. And what we landed on the, the <laughs> I'm, I'm spending too much time on this, I guess, but uh, um, we landed on the idea that we're, that we're living the dream when finances and faith collide. And so. That's what we're going with right there, living the dream. And so, and, and when I say that, when I say, hey, are you living the dream? We kind of say that tongue in cheek. Last night I was working on my message. I was working on it this morning too. Pastor Bobby's over to say hi to Reagan because she's in town. I heard you. Uh, t- Bobby goes, uh, are you living the dream, Pastor? I'm in the bedroom. I didn't even respond because he's mocking me. And I'm still working on the message. It's almost like a swear word. You're living the dream, right? Well, there are three ideas that are connected with living the dream that we want to tackle. Today, we're going to look at contentment. Oh, we'll just wait. And then next week, we're going to look at the idea of stewardship. And then the third week is going to be the most fun. We're going to talk about momentum and uh, getting God into the idea. and So that's where we're headed. But uh, to start us off, I want you to think and dream with me for a moment. If you could live... At any time in history, when would you choose to live? I'm not saying just to visit any time in history, because it'd be fun to go and visit for a time. When would you choose to live? And I was thinking, you know, in the present age, we've got indoor plumbing, we've got cars that are fast and planes that are even faster. Phones, I, I left my phone at the house today, but um, I was going to have my phone with me that we can keep track of our kids and where they are. How many think that's awesome? <laughs> uh, that, that's really cool. I and mean, we have online banking, and the furnace was working in my house this morning. It wasn't cold. I was thinking, wow, with all the modern technology and all the advancements, for me, and I don't know where you are, I would choose to live right now because it's a pretty awesome time to live. And as far as where, I was thinking a second you know, to that. If you could live any place in the world, where would you choose to live? Well, West Michigan is a pretty darn good place to live. And so I'm thinking I would live right, right now, and I, would, I might even pick West Michigan, and you might be the same. Well, why is it then that we have more in regards to technology and advancements than ever before. Do, are we agreed on that? But there's still a serious problem. The problem is that people, and really I should say we, because we're not excluded, we have so much stuff, but we want so much more. I would speculate That never before has this been such a big problem in history. The problem I'm talking about is being discontent. And you put uh, debt with being discontent, there's definitely a link. I would say that this discontent heart It's like it's on steroids these days. It's true that there's always been this idea like keeping up with the Joneses, right? Um, You know, you look at someone else's stuff and you're like, oh, I don't have as much or you compare with each other. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I believe that it's been exasperated by social media. How many are with me? Social media is not our friend sometimes <laughs> because we put, all of us, if, you, if you're on social media, this is, your, this is how it goes. You put your best foot forward, right? You show your highlight reel and then you look at everyone else's and then you compare yourself to be, your own behind the scenes. I heard about two moms that lived and worshipped in the same congregation and they secretly hated each other. Think, how does that happen? Well, one was a stay-at-home mom and would post online about being with her kids and like making lunch and the crafts and their teaching, and and that's what she's posting online. And the working mother, the other mom, is looking at that and secretly is hating the fact that she can't be home with her kids. On the flip side, the working mom is posting about work and the next sale and, and uh, the adult interaction and, and all of these things. And it has this highlight reel. And the other mom, the stay-at-home mom, is dreading the fact that she hasn't done her hair in days and hasn't had a real adult conversation in weeks. And each mom is looking at each other and wishing that it was different for them. What's the root of that? It's discontentment. We add Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook into the mix. And we all, all of us that use those things, we update our story, right? How many know you never share the full story? (laughs) Not even close, right? It wouldn't even be appropriate in that place to do that. And people, they live For likes and views is what I'm told, all right? Now, now I got to be honest. I'm almost never on social media. I don't have Snapchat or Twitter. I do have a Facebook, but I can't remember the last time. I mean, it's been months and months and months since I posted. I mean, yeah, right? (laughs) Like, I I don't know. I I can't even think. But from what I understand, uh, social media, it actually measures your popularity. Now, I was thinking about that. Growing up in high school, I... To be truth be told, I know this is going to be hard to believe. I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. <laughs> yeah, I know it's sad. <laughs> and I would go to school, and on the surface, I'd be friendly. And I, would, I mean, it wasn't like I was like a, you know, reject or something like that. But I would go home, and my home life was super strong. And so I made it, right? I made it through high school. Well, I was thinking about it today, and, and Pastor Bruce, you know, when you deal with these students, they, they come home, all right. And now it's like, according to their likes and how many people are looking at their stuff, they go home, they might post something, and if they don't get a certain amount of likes or a certain amount of views, sometimes they delete it and they're like, whew, that was a close call, we don't want to. But they sit there and they're thinking, my life sucks compared to everyone else. And it feeds the discontentment social media. And so with discontentment, let's just be honest, it's often linked to money or finances or material things. And it leads people into debt, the idea where you can buy something now and pay for it later. And there's a real sense in all of our hearts, like I can have it now. I need it now. I deserve it now. Whatever the it is, it could be a car, a house, a vacation, shoes, clothes, going out to eat, furniture, whatever. It is. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> Ushers, let's get rid of this guy. Get out of here! Don't worry. Actually,. <laughs> Man, it's all fed by a lack of contentment, and it often leads to indebtedness. And actually, the problem of being in debt and being discontent, the idea, it's rooted in our sin nature. And so, without further embarrassing me, let's go to God's Word and turn in the Bible to James chapter 3, and we're going to get right at it, and I've got to keep moving here, yeah. Um, if, if someone's listening online, they didn't hear the comments, I just, just make it known. Some person being removed from the service right now <laughs> made fun of my watch fetish. And I was going to mention that later, but, uh, but thank you for bringing it up now. All right, James chapter 3, verse 14. It says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and that's in parentheses because it's kind of you know, sarcastic, like that's not good wisdom, but such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. Really? For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil Practice. I want to uh, just give you a quick definition of what envy is. And when it says bitter envy, I found this and I really like it. And I actually am going with this idea. It kind of broke down into two ideas. Let's look at the, the definition. Uh, the envy is resenting God's goodness in others' lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. So, with that backdrop, look what it says. It says, such wisdom. That's, you know, selfishness and envy. It does not come down from heaven. It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic for where you have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder and evil practice. Discontentment has its roots in earthly things, not godly things. It's unspiritual, and we're going to see later how it's a discipleship issue. Um, and it's the demonic, and you're thinking, demonic? Well, listen, Where? what does Satan want to do? He wants to destroy our lives. And if he can destroy our lives from a uh, relational standpoint, that's great. But from a uh, financial situation, if the devil could wreak havoc with your, with your life, he's going to take advantage of that. So as we set this up and we look at money problems, they are real money struggle it is real the issue of debt it is real and it affects us in all of our lives in some way seven, to, seven out of ten of us are paycheck to paycheck i already mentioned that too many of us feel like we get one step forward and then it's two steps back in regards to our finances and in a culture with so much abundance too many people, too many of us here at the Gateway Church are drowning in debt. And at the root, the core issue is, again, that we're caught up in things that are earthly, not godly, unspiritual, and it's the discipleship issue. Is it really? They're saying, okay, is, this, is debt really a discipleship issue? I believe it is. Again, the demonic, I, I don't know why I have this twice in my notes. I was, it was early this morning early this morning, but Satan, he wants to us to be bound up. Satan does not want you to be free. The truth is money and debt, these are discipleship issues. And when we talk about financial peace, or we talk about financial maturity, living according to scripture, the good news is there is hope. There's hope. There's good news. The Bible actually talks about money a whole lot. There are over 800 verses, scripture, that talk about dealing with money. You look at Jesus and his direct quotes in the red letters, so to speak. He is quoted talking about money more than heaven and hell combined. He talks about money. In scriptures like Matthew 6, 21, that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Let's break that down. Where your treasure is, that's your money, right? Where where your money is, there your heart will be. And so this morning and over the next couple weeks, we want to speak to the heart of the matter. In a self-centered world, The goal is to expose this morning, in particular, any discontent that might be in our hearts. Where do we start? Where's the best place? If we're talking about living the dream, what is that going to look like? Well, I don't think there's anyone else in Scripture that could tackle this topic any better than the Apostle Paul. And we spent a whole lot of time looking at Paul in the book of Acts in that series. And uh, for those of you that tracked with us in that series, we have a pretty good idea of the life he lived and he had ups and downs and all kinds of things. But he responds... Um, with a very Christ-like per, uh, perspective as he's in prison. And uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, and I want to look at just a couple verses here to kind of give us a, a, a challenge. We're going we're gonna, to uh, read it here, and we're going to end the message with this verse uh, in a few minutes. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, we'll start there. This is Paul in prison. Saying this, I know what it is to be in need. How many can relate to Paul there? Yes. I know what it is to have plenty. How many can relate to that? Absolutely. A lot of you could, if you're honest. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then verse 13 very curious, it says, I can do all this through Him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Now, I use that verse. I used it a couple weeks ago. It's a mantra of mine when I run, and uh, it's often misquoted. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's, it's a mantra that I use. But, uh, we, but look at the context here. It's, I can do all things through Christ, In regards to being content, it's Christ that makes the difference. The context here is contentment, and the secret is Christ. It's Christ who gives you strength. It's not how much you have or how much you don't have. The truth is, is until Christ is all you have, you will never know what true contentment is. Go ahead. Get all the likes you want. Get all the views you want. But until you experience the goodness that Christ offers, you will always be discontent. That's the truth. Until you let Christ be all you need, you will battle with discontentment. You say living the dream, what's the secret? The secret is Christ inside of us. And so with that, there's two things, and it's related to that definition of of envy, but the first I will we'll tackle first is for Christ's sake, we need to kill comparisons. We need to kill kill comparisons. In fact, uh, turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter ten. Second Corinthians ten, interesting verse here. Ten verse twelve says, "We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with someone commend uh, someone who commends themselves." When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, uh, they are not wise. Listen, when you compare yourself to anyone else, uh, it's not wise. No one wins the comparison game. You say, why is that? Go back to James chapter 3. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's the enemy that's putting you against someone else in the comparison game. And how many of us, let's be honest, have played this game before? We all have, right? Where maybe you felt like you're at the top of your game for a season, and all of a sudden, someone comes along and knocks the feet out and does something different. It can happen in school with grades. You get the test scores, and you think, oh, man, I I finally got it. And your friend gets 1% better, right? Right? Or in business, you're like, oh man, I hit my sales goal, and, uh, or maybe I was number one in sales for the first time, and the very next month, someone blows it out of the water, and what used to be a big deal, your history, it's, it's all under the water. For me, Jack, <laughs> it comes, the comparison game comes with stuff sometimes, and gear, Right? I was thinking about this uh, some of my friends like to ride bikes and you know you look at the greatest and latest bike and and you get the best thing and and all of a sudden the next year they come out with a whole new component compa- uh, package for your bike and you're thinking man now mine's outdated and now you're looking at the new stuff <laughs> for me I get a subscription uh most years, I don't, I don't know how this happens, but um, I, I've had a subscription to Backpacker Magazine. Maybe someone of you is paying for that. I don't know. I appreciate it, and I like it. I look at the pictures, don't really read so much, and what I really look at is the once a year they send a gear patrol uh, uh, rating all the new gear, and I look at the new gear, and I'm like, oh, man. And I look at my old jet boil. Am I old, and you don't even know what that is, a lot of you, um, I look at my old sleeping system, and I'm thinking, I need something new. And what I have is not going to do it anymore. Or I, like I said, I'm I'm not on Facebook that much, but when I do get on Facebook, it's like Facebook knows me. Because every time I'm on Facebook, there are watch ads that come up. (laughs) I have no idea how that happens (laughs) it's the truth worn and wound (laughs) crown and caliber i mean all these different places that i will go on a regular basis just to you know just to browse i'm not i'm just looking and i'm thinking well how i compare myself to these things and we all do it at some level all of us have something how do you kill that comparison how do you do it? Well, for some, maybe it's a social media break. And now I know I'm stepping on some feet or some feet. Maybe you need to hide the feed. For me, it's you know that whole idea of Facebook. You know, with watches, I can delete those things and say, I know I don't want to see this, but I like to see it. <laughs> maybe it's for you. It's you need to stop the catalog subscription that keeps on coming that triggers just that need of comparing. From what you have to what you might want, or what your friends have to what they what you think you need, maybe it's deleting that shopping app. I was thinking this morning, um, how convenient is Amazon? One click, and it's done. Does anyone else get caught up in that? I mean, that is it is dangerous. That is dangerous. It's like split second. And what did I just do, right? For some of you, it might be churning. To another channel because that HGTV has got the best of you. Oh. Now I'm stepping on All right, all right. All right, <laughs> maybe you don't go to the boat show this year or the car show or the craft show or the hunting show, whatever it is, because it's the lust and longing for more that's unspiritual and the enemy, he wants to wreak havoc in that area in our lives. It's the truth. How do you kill it? you got to starve it. Yeah. Or maybe you try this. Maybe try celebrating the success of someone else instead of comparing yourself with them. And I know some of you just cringed deeply. But I want you to know that, listen, when you can celebrate truly, it helps. It helps in your mindset. It purifies your intentions. Listen, I believe we must kill comparison if we're going to be free and be free in regards to our money. The second thing, for Christ's sake, is not only that we need to kill comparison, but we need to cultivate gratitude in our lives. This is huge. and really goes back to that definition of envy. Uh, The first part really related to that killing comparison, that resenting God's goodness in others, when you resent what God is doing in others, and that's why I said, you, let's try to celebrate the goodness of what God's doing in others. Um, that's, you know, that's the comparison side. But the second part of that, let's put that um, definition up, it says, it's, and ignoring God's goodness in our own life. Resenting, ignoring. For Christ's sake, we need to cultivate gratitude in our lives. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15 Verse 15, an interesting verse at first blush. It it may not make sense, but let me break it down. It says, all the days of the oppressed are wretched. And when I think of the oppressed, that's someone that has a lack of joy, a lack of gratitude, right? Then there's this oppression or this, this kind of doom and gloom. But then it says, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. That sounds pretty good. And a cheerful heart is really having a better perspective. A happy heart leads to a blessed life. And so what we could do is look for the blessings of God in our own lives. I was studying this and I was thinking about Solomon in Ecclesiastes 6.9. He essentially says, enjoy what you have. You're thinking, well, wait, Solomon, that was David's son. He was the richest man that ever lived. It's easy for him to say, enjoy what you have. He had everything, right? I I know what you're thinking, because I thought the same thing. But if you back it up just one verse or one chapter, Ecclesiastes 5.10, let's look at that. Turn with me there. Um, Ecclesiastes 5.10, it it says this. says, whoever loves money never has enough. This is what he's learned. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. The riches of this world are meaningless. And I know what some of you are thinking, man, I'd like to try. And uh, I get that, I get that. But let's talk about being grateful for what we do have and how to cultivate gratitude where's the application point point? and this is great you know you you think well my car is a beater okay and uh and i and i i looked out this morning we've got a few beaters in the parking lot i'm just saying i'm just saying including mine right i saw that hand yep i yep. listen how do you cultivate gratitude instead of saying man my car really stinks um you have a car Yeah, or you think, my house needs a makeover, especially after watching hours and hours of HGTV. (laughs) How do you cultivate gratitude in a situation like that? What do you think? You think, huh, I have a roof over my head. (laughs) Come on, am I, okay, I'm, I'm preaching to the right crowd. You say, okay, my job only pays minimum wage. And you start complaining about it. Instead of complaining, how do you cultivate gratitude? You have a job, right? Listen, if you live in North America, which I don't think there are any foreigners here, uh, I don't think, at least today, you are in the top 95% of the world's wage earners. Even if you're getting only minimum wage. Some of you think, well, you know, you'd struggle with discontent in regards to say, well, I'm so busy, and you complain about your work, or you complain about your kids' schedule, or you complain about so much stuff at church, or whatever it is. How do you cultivate gratitude? You look at it in a different way. You say, look, I have a family. I have kids. Think, put yourselves in the shoes of the family that lost three kids in Indiana uh, this last week. You think, oh my God. Lord, you know, how, how would you even deal with that? Listen, you have kids, or you have a job, or we have a church. It's all about perspective, gratitude, and it links with a contentment. I really liked what First Timothy chapter six says in regards to contentment. Turn with me there, First Timothy. This is really, really powerful. First Timothy chapter six, I was just going to read just verse six that says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But this morning as I was uh, studying a little further, I, I I thought, man, we can't miss these other verses. Look what it says. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. That's the truth. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Oh God, let that be our story. Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation and trap and uh, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Listen, our goal is that we would live with contentment. I'm convinced if we understand contentment, it would go a long way for each of us battling our indebtedness. And by the way, Proverbs 22, verse 7, it's one of the most quoted verses by, uh, by Dave Ramsey. It's, uh, you've heard it if you listen to his show at all. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says this, uh, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The reality, you look through all of Scripture, you study it hard, there is not one positive in Scripture when it comes to indebtedness, period. And so if the goal is that, yes, we want to live the dream, right, what's the dream? And you say, you can't do that fully when you are in debt. And that's really the American dream that you can have it today and pay for it later. But we, what happens is we walk away from God's dream, what God says for our lives. Listen, living the dream is about our faith and our finances colliding. And let me ask you this question as we wrap up. What would be different in your life if you were out of debt think about it if you were out of personal debt 100% what about business debt if you were out of debt what would be different would the purpose of your life be more uh, able to, you'd be able to dream would your stress level be different? Would you maybe travel a little bit? Would there be margins? Would you be able to give? Some of you have not been able to give to our building project because we've said, "Don't give until you're until you're free to do so, and uh, give you your tithe, and then don't give above that until you get your finances in order." If you were debt free, one hundred percent, listen, what would you do with the rest? of of your life. I was struggling with that, thinking about that. I shared, I pulled Bobby in on on Thursday saying, hey, you know, help me think through this. And he said, you know what I think? He said, I think more people would save up to buy something even bigger with more debt. And isn't that the truth? I thought, man, well, listen, Luke 12, 15 says that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. It's not about more stuff. If you were really debt free, go back to Philippians chapter 4. What did it say? It says, I can do all of this through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. If we were content in all things, it would be Christ that would make the difference. What do we all desire? We all desire, we made a list, satisfaction and joy and comfort. And we want to, be, to fi- find pleasure and recognition and love and respect. And the list could go on and on. Those things and money more, they do not come with money. Those things really should be found in Christ, right? And that's exactly what we want to encourage and want to fan the flame, to be content. This is a series on money, personal finance, debt-free living. The heart behind it is that we would be content no matter where we find ourselves. Now, this does not excuse being lazy. I am a big proponent of hard work, and next week when we look at stewardship, you're going to see uh, that that will be the theme. But is God Enough Is Christ enough in your life, in your life financially? A real practical takeaway, as, you're, as we're listening, as you're listening and experiencing uh, today and then the next couple Sundays, I want you to know that we have planned uh, a, a takeaway from this message that will start in January, January 7th. It will start in our new building, Lord willing. On January 7th, we are going to provide, again, Financial Peace University. Yeah, and I believe that there are many, many of us that need to be in that class, young and old. It's been far too long that you've been hanging on to the debt and the rat race of the American dream. And we're going to provide child care. We're going to make it uh, very clear. And that's going to be a practical way to build our budgets and live on a budget and get ourselves out of debt and those types of things. And that's going to be really powerful. And, uh, and we're excited to be able to uh, uh, to give that opportunity. You can get online today and sign up for that class, and that might be the appropriate thing in response to the today's message. And I want to encourage you to do so. But I wanted to just ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in regards to this subject of being content? What's the Holy Spirit saying? He could be speaking to each of us about different things. And the reality, the Holy Spirit wants to have all of you. And He wants you to be fully relying on Him, not on a credit card, not on some, someone else not on the buy here, pay later mentality, but to be content with what we have. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you, God, that you are a God that is patient with us, you're kind. And yeah, we've had a few laughs today, uh, but Lord, this this is a serious topic that is hard to get our mind around. It's challenging. And God, it is difficult uh, in this culture to live against the stream the American way that feeds this idea of debt. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us when we consider the question, Lord, what are you saying to us? Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive from you, to hear from you. And Lord, that you would uh, move in our lives in regards to our contentedness. And we wouldn't play the compare game. We wouldn't be uh, hard to celebrate with someone that's experiencing some great things. And we wouldn't find ourselves with our head down, but instead we would be full of gratitude. Lord, help us to live in those ways. We pray in Jesus' name. Now with your head bowed and eyes closed, there's another debt, a spiritual debt, that as a church we'd be remiss to not mention. The spiritual debt is the truth of God's word that says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And another scripture in, says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. What that means is, Uh, My understanding is that if you do not have your sins forgiven, you will spend an eternity away from Jesus in heaven. But the rest of that verse says not only that the wages of sin is death, but it says the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It's all about Christ. And this morning, if you're here and you are away from the Lord, you don't have a relationship with Jesus We want to offer you the free gift of salvation. And just with your head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here, and before we close with this final song uh, and really address how great our Father is who helps us in regards to our finances and relationships and all around the the way, but uh, if you're here and you don't know the Lord and you're ready to surrender your heart to Jesus, would you just slip up your hand where you are? I want to pray with you. Who first service here is sensing that that's exactly what your next step is in regards to your debt, your sin in your life that'll be forgiven. Anyone at all first service? Don't want to belabor that, but anyone just with your slip up your hand, I want to pray for you. Okay. All right. I don't. I see any hands. Let me get your eyes back on me. This is what I really want to, you to walk out of here today asking the question, Holy Spirit, what is the takeaway for me in regards to being content? Where was the point that you cringed in the service today? You're thinking, ooh, that got me. Because that is the pain point that the Lord wants you to address, I believe. And with that, I'm going to ask that you stand. We're going to close with this great song that just kind of challenges us in regards to who we are serving. It's all about Christ. And how many know He is a great, great Father? He loves us and He wants to be come alongside of us. So let's sing this song out and then we'll have a prayer of benediction at the end. Hallelujah. 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 I just believe that the Lord, as He's stirring in your heart in regards to this contentment idea, I believe that it's something we want to take with us and let it mull over in our hearts. And this week, there's going to be a moment, I I just want to just let you know, because it's happened to me this week as I've been preparing, that something's going to come up and you're going to, feel that pain point saying, ooh, could I be content with just the Holy Spirit, just with Jesus, just with Christ? Or do I need this? Do I want this, should I say? Do I need it? Do I deserve it? And the Lord is going to help us as we surrender those things and God, he will get the glory in your life. For some of you, you're going to Want you say, man? Let's sign up for uh, Financial Peace University. Do it. We we want a full class. We want it as we're moving into a new facility that has been paid for. We want to celebrate that and challenge each other. Where you say, man? Oh, um, you know? Oh, it's one thing for the church. That's so great. I could never do it. You can do it. You can do it with God's help. And so, anyway, Lord, I pray. You would just continue to stir inside of us as we leave today. Pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We thank you for this. We give you the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet someone as you leave. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.